What's up, everybody? Welcome back in. It's time for another episode of ATL and United Podcast. I'm Blake. I'm joined by my co-host, ATL Joe. And Philly's rolling into town today, Joe. We've got a little bit of a uh, big game, some might say. Yeah, baby! It's hype train time. Get on your hype! Let's go, Atlanta. Let's win another one. Bring it home for Parky. We need to bring this one home and move on to the Eastern Conference Finals. Huge, huge match tonight that is actually coming at a great time. 8 p.m. Everyone should be off work. I know we're going to be there. Rowdy, proud, in the bins, Joe. Could have been more hyped. Let's let's turn this, this Philadelphia music off and get a quick message from Miles. I'm Miles Robinson. Hello to all my ATLians. Hey, my ATLians, thank you for joining us on another broadcast, Playoff Edition, ATLians United. We've got a big game tonight leading up to a a chance to go to the conference finals. This is so big, Blake. I am so pumped. I'm ready. I'm going to be there early. Going to get in the gulch, get tailgating. What are you going to be doing tonight? Uh, Yeah, I'm going to get off work as soon as I can, hopefully about 4 o'clock, and I'm going to head to the bins. And I'll be there hopefully long into the night celebrating us uh, with back-to-back Eastern Conference final appearances. That's, that's the ideal world, but we got to focus on this game, and we got to get behind the team from, from the get-go. So what do you want to do, Blake? Do you want to do you want to get to the gate early, try to get really close seats at the top of the sport front of the supporters section? Or, or do you want to go and get your tailgate on and get as hammered as you want to get and then march into the game right before kickoff? Uh, honestly, I think I'm going to favor the seats just because I, I still have work Friday. I uh, can't really get out of that one, but I will be there in spirit partying in the gulch. I just probably will cut that a little bit short because I'd, I'd love to watch this game. I think it's going to be a really intriguing matchup. And, well, I'm uh, going to be there a little bit more than just spirit because I'm going to be handing you a beer and the golden spike so you can spike one in and shotgun one with me. That would be awesome. I, I don't know if they'll let you bring the golden spike into the game. Could it be perceived as a weapon perhaps? I'm not sure. I have to check with security on that one. I've got um, my ways. But it should be an awesome crowd tonight. I think it's going to be a phenomenal home crowd. In fact, speaking of crowds, we actually had the third largest soccer crowd in the world last week. Uh, so I know that a lot of people eh, maybe hasn't seen the crazy attendance numbers this year that we had the past two seasons, shattering all kinds of records. But honestly, we still are the best attended MLS team out there. And we're getting national news and we're getting worldwide news now we've outseated six nfl home games so far uh for the bears Bengals, lions colts titans redskins so we're putting more people in seats than nfl games we must be doing something right awesome to see the support from our fans and i expect it to continue tonight joe yeah very very impressive and that's the whole reason we want this home field advantage you know we want to have the home field advantage all the way through the cup because 
when we play at home, especially in games that really matter, we tend to show up and show out. So I'm so I just can't be more pumped for tonight. Yeah, and you know who else is pumped is our our captain. I uh I gotta I gotta give it up for Parky. Uh, we gotta address it, man. Going out like a warrior, and you know he's pumped up and behind the boys. Heartbroken he can't be out there. Uh, we're gonna talk about it a little bit later, but I did want to just say this at the very beginning of the show. Shout out to Michael Parkhurst. If that's the last time we see you take the field in Atlanta United jersey. You ended a champion, man. You ended a champion. Great job, 17. Do it for the skipper. And uh, you know, one guy has got his back is Joseph Martinez, last year's MVP. And he's got another trophy to add to his cabinet. I don't even know if they give him a trophy for this, but he did just win goal of the year uh, for his goal, his second goal at FC Cincinnati, the, the left-footed curler. So voted in, goal of the year, way to go, online 17s. You bring home another Atlanta United award. We did it again. Joe, do you think this was the best goal all year for real? I thought it was a great goal. Maybe one of Joseph's best ever. But do you think it was the goal of the season? It, it was a really great goal. and Honestly, there's there's a lot of good goals during the season. I think possibly the best goal happened in the very first game of the season against the team that, we, that Joseph scored against for his goal of the year. When Cincinnati hit their opening goal of their whole entire MLS career, and it was a screamer off a half volley outside the box. It was pretty insane. I, I thought that I had a very good chance at winning goal of the year. But I'm so glad that Joseph did. And it, it just adds to Atlanta United's accolades. And two out of the three years that we've been a team, we've won goal of the year. So that that speaks volumes. Yeah, tremendous. Uh, I know that save of the year is going to be announced as well. Um, but let's let's talk about other MLS news before we dive into what is on everyone's mind, this playoff game, uh, Sacramento, Sacramento Republic, they were actually granted a new MLS expansion. Um, so big news, new $300 million stadium. They're building. They're going to play in. They're going to join the league in 2022. Uh, speaking of stadiums, Miami has announced a crazy expensive stadium, but wasn't it still, like built on top of something that there's a lot of questions about. What were, what were they building it on top of, Joe? I, I totally forgot. <laughs> I don't know. I remember we were we were making fun of it just a couple weeks ago. But look at the money that they're throwing down on the stadium. It's going to be $966 million stadium. I mean, it's not going to be anything like Mercedes-Benz Stadium where, where we threw over a billion dollars at it. But they're getting close. And that just David Beckham is there spending a ton of money trying to build an empire. It's, it's still going to be a great offseason to see what Miami does to bring players in. But you know what? I, I don't want to talk about next year right now when we're in the middle of another MLS Cup hunt. We are trying to defend our cup. Well, there's only one thing to talk about then, and that's uh, it's probably injuries. Injury report. Injury. Injury. Injury all right, let's talk about center backs. We're probably going to be missing two. Parky. Parky. He's out. Left shoulder injury. Everyone saw it. Dislocated. They weren't able to pop it back in on the field. That's never good. I, I, I really think this might have been the last we saw of Parky on the field in Atlanta United jersey. But he did finish a champion, man. He finished like a champion. Got us another playoff win. Kept a clean sheet out there. But uh, really tough to see potentially his career end like that. Uh, Miles Robinson, 
This is a big bummer too. Still out with that hamstring injury that he picked up on international duty for the U.S. men's national team. Well, Blake, I, I, I don't know if you're like me or any of our listeners and still kind of thinking that Frank DeBoer is kind of posturing saying that Robinson's unavailable and, and have that outside hope that he just kind of shows up on the bench or even in the starting lineup and, and just throws everybody for a loop. And all of a sudden, we see Miles Robinson in there. And then all this freaking out that we did is just, whatever. Miles Robinson's in there. We got this. Is that just me? No, I don't think it's just you. I, I think uh, in the past, DeBoer has proven to be a little bit subtle and also keeping his cards close to his chest when it comes to injuries. However, in this case, I just don't see Robinson coming back in for this game. We're going to need a full-strength fit team. He hasn't even been training with the team so I, I just I don't like him to play this game. I think uh, we'll, we'll talk about the lineup later, but I think we still have two to three really good, healthy center backs right now with Pogba, with LGP, and with Escobar. So I, I think we're going to be okay. Yeah, we're really going to have to break this down. On yeah, I think we're going to be okay. But um, those are our injuries. Uh, if you guys remember, you know, pour one out for Breck Shea. I, I think he's still on our team, uh, coaching it up from the sideline. So he's the only other player hurt. Uh, enough with injuries. We need to focus on what is ahead, but first let's reflect back on how we ended up in this Eastern Conference semifinal matchup against Philly, and that was by getting a win against the Revolution. That's right, Blake. We won our first playoff game. Get that win. A win is a win. Let's move on, and it's good. Blake. It, it was. I was nervous coming to the game, but it was kind of a, a comfy nervous. It was just a playoff nervous, and we took to the stadium we got there we won we showed up rowdy and proud it's always tough to beat a team three times in a year and that's what we did with new england and especially to play them in back-to-back games where now you've got 90 minutes of tape and you're gonna and you're playing in the exact same stadium new england knew what was going to happen and frank DeBoer had to shuffle up something kind of make some shifts and changes and i think frank DeBoer managed an incredible game and i love that we got the win yeah i was really impressed like you said it wasn't a pretty game we got the win that's all that matters in the playoffs survive in advance especially in this one game playoff format uh you know it, it was very back and forth i think we only had like 55 percent possession which uh is is uncharacteristic for us at home especially against a team that i thought was going to play more defensively new england new england pressed us at times new england looked strong they looked dangerous on some counterattacks. uh but at the end of the day yeah and we get the clean sheet we get the win that's all that matters yeah and and honestly blake that that's how new england's been playing all year is they're they're that sneaky team that just sticks around hangs on in games they press you high when they want to and that's how they create you to make mistakes and it was a lot like the game that we saw just during the last game of the season where it was back and forth, both teams had chances. The only difference is no one was converting their chances. I mean, who would have thought Joseph Martinez, he had about three pretty incredible chances that he did not put away. One in the first half where he was coming in from a sharp angle where we've all seen him from time and time again, just putting it at, he looks like he has no angle and puts it in, but he put this one in the side of the net. And then later in the second half where everyone thought he was going to chip the goalie but no, he opens up. It looks like he's going to go to the outside, cuts it back to the inside, and misses the goal completely. Uncharacteristic. I expect Joseph to come out next game and get a brace. Yeah. I mean, let's hope he gets a brace tonight, man. 
it's going to be exciting to see him back out there. You know, I guess the main takeaway I had from this game, and we talked about this on our last episode, New England drew more games than anyone in MLS over the regular season. And it looked like that's what they were playing for. They were playing for that draw. They wanted to take us to extra time, try to wear us down and get to penalties. And man, their plan almost worked. Until, guess what? Escobar, our playoff specialist, comes in, scores in the 69th minute. Very nice. Very nice. On a great assist from Barco. It was a great assist. A really cheeky ball by Barco. A little flick. Escobar took it one time and just buried it in the upper corner, Joe. Break down this goal for us, man, and and how big it was for for our club. Yeah, first I got to say two things. What a time for playoff Escobar to join us and and come out with another another wonderful, well-timed goal right when we needed in the playoffs. And the other I want to talk about Barco, how incredible he was in between the boxes. He was dribbling, had great possession of the ball, very good, much needed in there. He looked very mature. He did frustrate me a little bit when he was when he got into the final third and he sailed a couple of his chances where he had shots on goal. But I, I kind of sacrificed that with the way he possessed the ball and then it finally led up to this assist where it was a great team goal too where we, again, we were winning possession of the ball. Nagby, Barco started it passing it out and Nagby passed it back to Barco and Barco found a wonderful running Escobar. And if you go back and look at the replay, Escobar started that run from so late and I believe Barco saw him from out of the corner of his eye and and knew to hold the ball for about another two seconds for Escobar to complete his run. And Barco split three defenders and then Franco puts it top shelf you know, where in an angle where you're going to think he's going to go far post, so did the goalie, where the only good angle was to go top shelf, and he did it masterfully. Yeah, it was a wonderful, wonderful finish. I thought that it was well-deserved. We get the win, and and we, we really brought the heat this game. I, I don't know if you saw Ric Flair out there. Woo! Between every spike, if you guys missed it, Woo! Ric Flair with the golden spike. Absolutely phenomenal for any uh, for any wrestling fans out there. Uh, you know we got a lot of wrestling fans on the show. We also have uh, we have WrestleMania, but let's talk about something, Joe, that I do want to bring up from this game, and we have to talk about it. Was the subs we made and the impact it had on the game? We made some changes right before we got our goal. We brought on Tito for Miram. We brought Pogba on for Hindman. What do you think the impact of this was? I thought Tito opened up space for the whole team. And I thought Pogba, who did a great job solidifying us defensively for the rest of the game, now that we know that this injury has occurred to Parkhurst, Pogba's got to step up. I'm really glad he got some minutes this game before he has to he has to suit up presumably as a starter tonight. So I think those were two key moments. Um, the real question is, do we see Petey Martinez? And he did not see the field this game. He is our second highest transfer ever. And one of the highest paid players on our team, one of our designated players, he didn't even touch the field. So I think there's a few key talking points about subs that I think is going to have a huge impact on the game tonight. Yeah, and you also missed uh, another key sub where we put Mo Adams in, chosen over Eric Rometty. And I thought that was very telling that DeBoer chose 
Mo Adams and, and not a guy who's been a starter who's who's played well at, at a lot of times this year, but maybe has lost favor with the board, or maybe there's a lingering injury. He may have had rumored concussion problems earlier in the year. He hasn't started in three matches. There there's an Eric Rometty issue out there too. And honestly, he's he like for like with Jeff Lorinowitz, and Lorinowitz is playing very, very well, and we need that veteran leadership. But the fact that he didn't come in as a sub, that that was very interesting to me too. Uh, but going back to your earlier question, I do love Tito coming off the bench. And year one, that's where he – and year two, he kind of made a name for himself. When he lost shape and did not get into the starting lineup, he was such a dangerous threat coming off the bench. And he still is that guy. And every team needs – someone off the bench that can really just change the pace of the game, light a spark in the team, give you a chance to score a goal, make a threat, and, and really like be a complete polar opposite of, the, of who you're replacing. And Tito and Justin Miram are just that. They are both very solid attacking players. Miram is more composed, going to dance around, make some moves, not use his full speed, and, and use his skills to beat you. And, and then Tito comes in the game, and he is – blazing right down your face right around you using his full speed 100 miles per hour all the time he, he may make a couple of mistakes here and there but he also may just wind up knocking the ball in the back of the net whether he meant to or not yeah and so it, it's yet to be seen how this is going to impact the game tonight but i just thought it was great those guys got some playing time because they might have a huge role to play before this is all said and done uh we talked about it before but you got to bring it up one more time um parky man that was definitely the the low light of the match, but it was bittersweet. He left the field a winner. He left the field in pain. But uh, one more time, pouring out for Parky, but also cheers to Parky because uh, man, you you embodied what what it means to be a captain for this team, and couldn't be couldn't be more proud to uh, to have watched Parky these past couple of years lead us to our first title, lead us to several other. Huge trophies this year, and uh, I feel like he's he's going out a winner no matter what happens the rest of the season. Well said, Blake, and I think it's perfect time that we all grab one just as ATL Joe needs a beer. Beer of the week! Every week. And uh, this week we got, we got something new for you guys. We're uh, still going to call it Beer of the Week, but we uh, ran into the guys from Urban Tree Cidery down in the Gulch, and we're, we're going to drink... FC Cider. It's the official cider of Atlanta United. Official beer cider. Whatever you want to call it. Yeah, let me let me spike it home for you guys. A good little playoff spike. Hey! Whoa. Everything okay? It sounded like an explosion. Uh, a little bit. It was a little bit of an explosion. I uh, used a different hammer this, this week. Ah, new hammer. It was more of a, a Thor. New mallet. hammer. Okay. Did uh did you did you summon the hammer like using telekinesis like did you just look up in the sky and the hammer flew into your hand because I think that's what no, we should I just three I three D printed it and it's pretty yeah, cool I think that's what we should do Have next you ever time. had a three D printer It's actually pretty awesome No I've actually been looking into an affordable one I think it'd be pretty fun to three D print some things Let's talk about this beer rather this cider If you guys haven't checked out Urban Tree. It's a tap room off of Howell Mill on the west side of Atlanta. They got four or five great ciders on tap. Really cool atmosphere. And uh, I know a lot of people out there, they're staying away from the carbs or maybe they're staying away from the gluten 
or maybe they, uh, you know, they have some actual like gluten intolerance. It's a great place for people that uh, want to drink a cider, can't do the beers on a day-to-day basis. And uh, I would check it out. It's not too sweet. They have like almost like some IPA ciders as well. And this FC cider is really tasty. I think I'll have one tonight before the game maybe. Maybe I'll have one tomorrow morning after the game, depending on how I'm feeling. But uh, you can drink it anytime. Really crisp, really clean, delicious cider. Yeah, I'm not a huge cider fan, but I, I do enjoy. I can I can have one, maybe two, before I switch back to a, a regular beer. But I do enjoy this cider. It, it is a nice taste, and it's always good to have one cider. Kind of a little juicy taste. Almost tastes like you're drinking apple juice. Pretty much the same thing. All right. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm almost done with this cider already, but we got, we got too much to talk about, Joe. It's time for uh, a little playoff section. Playoffs! All right, Blake. Let's look around the league and see what the other teams are doing. I know you and I just watched the Toronto versus New York City game together. And Atlanta United sets up perfectly with Toronto winning that thrilling game in New York. Not at Yankee Stadium, but at City Field. 2-1. to one, Toronto won with a late penalty call. And they capitalized with a cheeky chip. And it puts Toronto through to the next round. What were your thoughts on that game, Blake? Oh my gosh. I, uh, I'm, still, I'm still hyped from it, man. I... I... I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves, but this game was so huge for Atlanta United. Number one, it eliminated us ever having to worry about going back up to that baseball field this year uh, that is either City Field or Yankee Stadium. New York City just can't escape the baseball fields, but they play really well on the baseball fields. Yeah, first I want to talk about, Blake. Yeah. There was a game. There was no game being played at Yankee Stadium. And they still moved the game to City Field. The Yankees lost. They, they're they not in the World Series. There was no game at Yankee Stadium tonight, or last night, excuse me. There was no game there, yet they still played at City Field. Like, what in the world is going on there? There's no excuse for that. You know, Atlanta United played, and the Falcons played the very next game. People do it at stadiums all the time. What has New York got? Like, what are they doing? What were they thinking? Well, I've actually been reading up on this, Joe, and it's a great question. So because of the infield dirt, how it's actually a part of the field, you have to lay grass over that, and the grass takes a couple days to set. So it's not, of a, it's not as quick of a refresh as like Mercedes-Benz, for example, where you just move back the seats, throw up some goals, call it a day. Uh, you actually have to let that grass set so that it, it gets deep rooted into the dirt, or else all that turf would just rip right up. Um, so, yeah, so they had to get that's a great point. They had to get City Field ready in case the Yankees made the World Series. So there wasn't enough time to plant that grass, get it set at Yankee Stadium, and get ready for this playoff game. Pretty hilarious, you know. Yankees Mets, huge rivals. Uh, it's a very weird setup. Stay on a baseball field, get knocked out of the playoffs, and we are secured home field advantage all the way through the Eastern Conference if we take care of business now. Huge number one seed going down. Yes, Blake, we got exactly what we wanted with with that Toronto win. So now we're set up if we win. So we got to take care of business ourselves. But we'll have another home game going to the conference finals. Uh, Speaking of other games, let's break down one of the juiciest matchups 
that's not Atlanta United. And it's another El Trafico. Everyone's talking about it. Everyone wanted to see it. And we got our wishes. Blake, are you excited to watch El Trafico after the Atlanta United game? Man, if we win, I'm going to be excited to watch it. If we lose, I'm I'm done. I'm turning off. I'm turning off any MLS game. I, I feel like care. I'm. Fe- you um, and about every other Atlanta United fan feels exactly the same way. Yeah, but if we do win this game, uh, you know, obviously we're looking ahead. That's part of the playoffs. You try to cast like ahead, and and this is a huge one too because if LA Galaxy Zlatan, who he finally got his statue by the way, it's uh it's in Sweden, but you know he's finally the the golden god that he. He wants to be and imagines himself to be. Uh, if Zlatan can knock out LAFC, that that would make us the highest seeded team in MLS that's remaining in the playoff system, which means we would actually host the MLS Cup if we make it all the way there. Uh, so back-to-back years hosting is what would be on the line here. Yeah, and with Zlatan getting his statue and just feeling just so high and thinks that he's the best in the world – I know I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but I can because I'm a podcast host. I'm not a soccer player. I don't need to worry about thinking about the future. So I'm going to think about the future right now. Hypothetically, if we make it to the finals and we're playing LA Galaxy, does Laton play on the turf field at Atlanta at Mercedes-Benz Stadium? Or does he just say, you know what? I don't need to play on the turf. I'm not going to play with LA Galaxy next year anyways. We won the West and, and he just like goes back to Sweden. I honestly think that would be the greatest timeline ever. I don't see it happening. I think he's going to play. He's actually played on turf uh, this year. So Zlatan, Zlatan thinks he's above the MLS. I find it kind of funny because he probably is skill-wise. And there's a couple of players still in the playoffs that I would say are above the MLS as a whole skill-wise. He just thinks that you know the rest of the MLS is... Below him, and I would disagree. I think Vela is right up there with him, and that's what makes this game so juicy. And so it's, is Joseph Martinez. Oh, 100%. 100% Joseph Martinez. And those have been the top three guys in the goal charts. Yeah. And, and before we go down this huge rabbit hole of talking about Zlatan and his universe, let's get what to all our ATLians really want to hear, and let's preview this semifinal match that we're about to play. right Blake conference semifinals we are in it against Philadelphia a team that just beat us not too long ago but now we get to bring it back home on our turf with the number 17s the AT aliens behind us we have a really really good chance to succeed here Blake what do you see coming into this game well I think we got to start with uh everyone's favorite segment that I'm always in charge of but injuries and honestly Philly's pretty healthy I know that they have a couple players listed as as questionable. Everyone is expected to be fit for this match. Uh, Bedoya had had an injury uh, that he picked up against the Red Bulls. Looks like it was just a tweak, not even on the list for injury report. So Philly's coming in healthy. And I got some stats to throw down for you, Joe. And this comes via Mike Connie. Thank you, Mike. Doing a great job on 92.9 The Game, announcing all of our games this year on the radio. Uh, He brought these stats home. This is us against Philly. So we're actually uh, we're three wins, one loss, two draws all time versus Philly with a positive five goal differential. And at the bends, we are undefeated against Philly. We got two wins and a draw. So 
he even dives deeper. We've played well against Philly traditionally. We played really well against Philly at home. But let's dive into the referee, Ismail Elfath. He's going to mm. ref this game. And our record with him is five wins, two losses, and zero draws. So some notable matches with this referee, Joe. 2019 at LAFC. Do you remember the Vela penalty? That was a pretty weak one. Should have been outside the box. 2018 in Vancouver when uh, when Waston got that red card. And then uh, 2018 at Philly, he actually has refed in an ATL versus Philly game before, and we won that game 2-0. So not to dive too deep into the stats here, I just thought this was relevant since there wasn't a lot of injuries. We have traditionally dominated Philly. They've got that one win against us that came this year. And uh, we've also played well with this ref refereeing games as we're five and two with Ismail on the whistle. So I'd say history lines up well. Yeah, Blake, I want to jump in right there with you're saying there's no injuries, but there's two that I really need to talk about. Uh, one to start with, Alejandro Bedoya played a full game. You know, he, he ended up getting injured, tweaked himself at the very end of the game, had to hobble off the field. He is expected to play, and, and he'll, he should be fine. It's not too serious. But there is another very blatant injury, a guy that didn't play the last game, and their leading goal scorer, Jobico, a guy who scored against us when we just recently lost to them. Earlier on Wednesday, reports came out that he was going to play. He was day-to-day, but it was likely he was going to play. But then late last night, during the night, that there were more reports coming out that he's highly unlikely to play. So we're, we're seeing reports on both sides, but all of them are, are still kind of up in the air. It's a coin flip day to day. But the most recent thing that I've been reading is, is he's out for this game. And if they don't have him, that's a huge loss for them. I know they just won without him because Philadelphia is a complete team and they're able to play without one of their stars like that. But it's still a huge loss to lose your leading goal scorer in the playoffs. And now you're going on the road. If they don't have Jabico, I think that's a, a huge advantage Atlanta. Yeah, and, and I, I'm with you there. The reason I'm not listing him in the official injury report is, is just that. He's not been ruled out for this game. And I wouldn't be surprised if, like we talked about earlier in the show, Frank DeBoer keeping his cards close to his chest. You know, Philly has no reason to go out and say he's 100% healthy. If he can play, he's going to play. But they'd probably want Atlanta going into the game thinking he's not going to play. Same with Bedoya. It's the playoffs. These guys have fought all season for this. If it's a mild injury, I know me, Joe, and you're probably the exact same way. We grew up playing sports. When it comes time where your whole season's on the line, if you can if you can tape it up, if you can get out there, these guys are going to try to get on the field. So I'm not ruling anyone out, especially in the playoffs. I think we see both these guys personally, but it would be a huge loss if if one or both are out. That's why I, I'm still holding in the back of my mind that Miles Robinson could be an option, maybe even off the bench. I don't know. I'm I'm still hopeful. Very I'm, true. I'm very optimistic. But let's break down a little very bit true. more of Philadelphia Union players. And one thing I want to mention is how deep they are. All season long, I've talked about how Atlanta United has a very deep team, and and their depth is part of the reason that they've they've been successful. Well, the team we're playing is a, is a very deep team. So much so, two or three of their players that could be considered their best players on their team have been coming off their bench as of late. Last game during the playoffs, is El Sino and Fafa Picolt 
two guys that have been stars on Philadelphia Union came off the bench. And not only came off the bench, they came off and had success in the playoff game. Picot scored a goal and assisted the game-winning goal coming off the bench. They have weapons all the way down their lineup, and it's because they built their roster so well. You know, with with the, the veterans, like the two I just mentioned, we already talked about Bedoya. We know he's a veteran. Uh, Madungeon, who's got some bad blood against Atlanta, and the refs there, remember his red card where he basically spat at the ref. Another player came off the bench, Marco Fabian, another veteran player. But they've replenished their depths with some of the young, young players. We mentioned uh, Shabiko, who may not play, but they've got this other young kid, Brendan Aronson, who has just lit up the league since he's come in. You know, this is a very deep team, and, and it's a good team. That It's the reason that they've been in third place, and they were in first place all season long until the very end. And, and they're all backed up by a solid goalkeeper in Andre Blake, the Jamaican national who's coming off one of the worst performances of his MLS career. Yeah, but they won the game, and this is still a great goalkeeper. And he's got a great last name. Uh, I will say that. But I don't think this last game has anything to do with this game, Joe. And I'm just going to throw it out there. Just like I don't think our performance against New England has anything to do with this match either. I think we're going to see two totally different teams. I don't expect another bad performance from Andre Blake. I don't expect a, another shootout necessarily. Uh, personally, I, I think this game is going to be tight defensively, and, and I could see it being decided by one or two goals on either side. I'm not sure. But th- th- that's kind of what I'm taking away from this game. I think we both had some some off, a little bit off-color performances the past uh, the past two games to get us here. And, and I think the 4-4-2, the diamond that they bring out, we're going to line up against them very, very – Similarly, in terms of, hey, we're probably going to play three at the back. So they're going to be playing with two strikers against, at times, five guys dropping deep. Well, we can talk about this a little bit more in tactics, but I, I could see this being cagey would be the word going into it. Yeah, I, I think it's a perfect time to get into everyone's favorite section, Total Tactics. <laughs> I was segueing right into that, but biggest question on Atlanta United's tactical front that Frank DeBoer has to be asking himself, but I really think this is a no-brainer. Maybe this is just what you know, stupid podcast hosts are uh, speculating on, is who starts at center back. We really only have three healthy center backs left, so it's, it's a no-brainer, right? It's got to be, like I said earlier, LGP probably in the middle. Then we got Pogba on the left. And I would say we're probably going to start Escobar at center back on the right if we stick with our three at the back. But, I mean, what, what's your take on this, Joe? Is there a chance that Larry slots back at center back? Yeah, that that's just it. Uh, the the other option is we can bring Lorenowitz back to play that third center back. Uh, we could still do three at the back with Larry in the middle uh, flanked by Escobar and LGP. But, honestly, the best bet is, is to do what we do as a sub – and just have Pogba fill in on that left side, Escobar on the right, and LGP in the middle. And everyone's just a little frustration or a little scared to say LGP in the middle is because he can be very aggressive and he he can go gung-ho, he can take the ball and push it up the field, or he comes in very hot at times. But you know what? He's our most experienced center back left. He is 
a true center back. He can play that middle of the field, and it's on him to to realize his position, and he's got to play very disciplined this game. He can't get caught at the field. He can't go in on some dangerous slide tackles this game. He's got to be a little bit more calm, cool, and collected. But I think that that's where Jeff Lorenowitz comes into play and Brad Guzan to kind of help him be the veterans and help him be the center back he needs to be. And, and, and Lorenowitz, I think, is definitely starting at that center defensive mid, playing the position he plays best. And if you ever notice during the games when he's playing that CDM and a guy like LGP pushes up the field or Pogba, who's always way up the field out of position, Lorenowitz drops back down and plays a center back until the defender gets back. And so Larry's going to be playing such a deep role, and he's going to be so important that he and LGP can really run this defense. And then I think the wild card over there is Pogba. Can Pogba be composed, and can he keep a mindset of not getting pushed too far up the field, especially with a dangerous attacking team like Philadelphia? Can Pogba know to stay at home, or when he goes, I do like him going on the runs. He's really good with the ball at his feet. He's really good at, at passing, uh, and he gets into some good positions, but sometimes he gets too full of himself, and he stays on the upper side of the field. He needs to know as soon as he gets rid of the ball, get back on defense and, and hold the flank down. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Pogba's a liability, but so is Escobar. I mean, we got <laughs> and LGP. I mean, we our our guys that traditionally stay home, stay back, and hold it down. Parkhurst and Robinson, those guys are out or potentially out. We know Parky's gone. Robinson outside chance. DeBoer said he's out. So we're talking about three players that like to get forward. Escobar scored our winning goal last game. He's not going to want to sit back and play center back. So. And that's the concern is these players getting out of position. So I think having a guy like Larry in there to even swap positions with them when they take off on a, a marauding run down the field, I think that could be crucial with his experience level. And I wouldn't be surprised to see us play two defensive midfielders considering our injuries. I wouldn't be surprised to see Lorinowitz and Eric Rometty start this game. And a, uh, a who would we put Rometty in for? I I think we would see Heinemann drop to the bench, and I think we'd see a midfield three of uh, it'd be a midfield triangle of Lorenowitz, Remedy playing deep, and Nagby right in front of them. Um, but that, that would, I I, th- I see that as an option. I but what I would disagree there is Heinemann's playing very well with us, and DeBoer really likes his playing style. And you've got Nagby on the pitch, where I think instead of playing two defensive midfielders, you're just going to give Nagby more of a defensive role. And he's going to have tactically be told before the game that, Hey, we are without some of our true center backs. So you're going to have to be even more darling to Nagby than you are right now. And you're going to have to do some, a lot of cleanup work. You're going to have to be the guy that really steps in and wins the ball back and helps us out of dangerous positions. Yeah. Um, a lot of options there. and Blake, I'm actually excited to see this lineup come up. And I, I really believe, and you can just, I'll put the bank on this that we're going to come out with three in the back again, play that three, five, two, or three, six, whatever formation, but it's going to be three at the back. When Atlanta United played their most exciting soccer, that nine win, that streak we went on, when we played against uh, Club America in, in Campiones Cup. We were playing with three at the back, and it was just 
do or die. We're going to throw everybody forward, shoot as many times. We're going to give up a bunch of chances. Goose is going to stand on his head to make some saves, and it's back and forth all game long. Get ready for an extremely exciting game, chances on both sides, and we're just going to bet that Joseph Martinez buries more than your team. Yeah, and I mean, let's let's go ahead and, and, and round this lineup out. We've been talking about it a lot. Uh, you know, the other questions are, are pretty simple to answer. I think we're going to see Gressel at right wing back without a doubt. I think we're going to see Miram. He seems to solidify his spot as our left wing back, cutting in from the left. And up top, I think it's going to be Barco and Joseph again. Uh, Barco playing that that number 10 role behind the striker. Joseph is is a no-brainer here. And that really only leaves one question mark and... and Gosh, if you feel like Nagby's going to come in and play that six, we're going to bring in Larry or Remedy at the defensive midfield position. It's who plays that third midfield position. And everyone's got to ask, where's our little bird? Where's Pity Martinez? Heinemann, this player from on loan from Bournemouth, is, is he really going to start the entire playoffs over our big money signing that yes. we're paying millions of dollars to? Absolutely. I think it's, it's no brainer. It's it, it is shocking, but it's been what we talked about all year. And DeBoer is managing like a lot of us really like to see people manage. And the best player who's playing the best right now is going to play. And I know PD Martinez is talented. We've seen the talent, we've seen flashes all season long. But at a certain point, you got to cut your losses and, and play the better player, at least the better form right now. And Heinemann is in better form. He truly is. And I, I might would like to see PD off the bench and see what he's got. I wouldn't mind that at all. Uh, but my first guy off the bench is going to be Tito Villalba. Yeah, I think he he provides a great dynamic and and he has world class speed and that's so great and valuable at the end of a game. But I I wouldn't mind seeing PD Martinez come off the bench, especially if God forbid we go down and we're searching for a late goal then you've got to put PD in the game as well as Tito and throw all the attacking players that we can because it's win or go home, or in our case, stay home. And if we win, we stay home too because we would be playing Toronto at Mercedes-Benz. So, Blake, you know what? Let's just win. Let's just win. Let's just win, baby. I agree with you. Just shocking. You know, PD Martinez traditionally playing in Argentina, especially in knockout cup games, he played really well with River Plate. And the fact that Mo Adams got on the field before PD Martinez last game, that says a lot. And and I don't want to speculate too far in the future, but if Frank DeBoer stays around next season, which he will, I don't see PD Martinez being a part of our team. And I that's a that's a hot take, and we'll get to that in the offseason. But the playoffs, that's where you count on your big money players. You pay players to play in the playoffs. That's when the trophy's on the line, the cup is on the line. And the fact that he's right in the pine, that tells me he's not a part of Frank DeBoer's plans long term. So I, I think this is really telling for our future, not just telling for the present. And I'm excited about Heinemann, but you got to remember Heinemann's a player that's still on loan. We do not own Heinemann as of right now. So it's interesting we're playing somebody else's player above our big money signing in the games that matter most. It's, it's, uh, it's definitely a storyline and it's one that's going to be something to watch. <laughs> Especially if Petey gets a random start tomorrow that no one sees coming, or tonight rather. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's very telling. But honestly, a lone player, he's on your team right now. You don't think of it as a loan; you think of it as a one-year deal, and you'll worry about that in the off season. So 
it does, that doesn't really matter. It doesn't come in. The, it's a sunk cost. You, you don't bring it into effect. Uh, but Blake, I'm excited about this game. I want to get into one more section here before we go ahead and get ready for that tailgate. We got a really good question in our listener mail section this week. Yeah, and uh, came through via Twitter. Uh, it was a comment that I think a lot of people probably feel this way, but I'm, I'm glad he pointed it out. And this is going to be huge for this game. He says, uh, I like LGP. Who doesn't? But he has to stop playing linesmen. Many players lift their arm to call off sides, but LGP always stops playing and starts complaining to the linesmen. And the play is still in progress instead of focusing and doing his job. I really think this is a great point, especially with heart injuries at center back. LGP can't be complaining, playing linesmen, or getting dumb red cards like he got in the U.S. Open Cup. He has to be cool-headed, being level, and focus on his defensive duties, not on drama, not on red cards, and not on arguing with the referee. What's your take on this, Joe? I thought this was a great point pointed out to us on Twitter. Yeah, it is a good point. It is a good point, and LGP constantly is is trying to play, but that's kind of a South American style, and it's not going to go away. And honestly, so many people in the league do it. It's very frustrating to watch, especially a player – you know, calling off sides and giving up on a play, it kind of looks like. Uh, but if they truly believe he's off sides, they're not going to stop playing or they're, they're going to stop playing. It, it, it's just a conundrum and it's something in, in all of soccer that needs to stop. Uh, it's not going to stop. And un- until it happens and we give up a goal because it happens, I'm just going to be just live with it. Got to live with it. LGP is going to get him tonight. We're counting on you. LGP, you know me. <laughs> LGP Joe, is probably one of our most important players coming into this game tonight. I really meant what I said earlier where he's got to play with discipline. He's got to know his role. A lot of the that defensive stratosphere that we've got there with the three back guys that I'm expecting to play, LGP, Escobar, Pogba, plus Lorenowitz, Nagby, and then all of them got to play with a, a solid mindset and a good head on them. And then Brad Guzan has got to keep them in position and let them know if they're drifting too far. And he's got to do it quick because one mistake could be costly. Yeah. Blake, I, I think we're going to come out and I think we're going to really come out striking this game. I would love to see us come out and get a really quick early lead. I think if we go into half up three to one, that we will run away with this game and we'll be going on to the next round. Yeah, is that your uh, is that your final final score prediction, Joe? You're going three one. Yeah, let's just let it stay at that. I don't like doing score predictions, but okay, I'm gonna, that's where it's at. I'm going to do one. I like uh, I like a two one win in extra time from Atlanta United. This game it's going to be a tight one, Joe. Let's let everyone get out to the bins or get to work or wherever you guys are headed today. If you're listening at work. Thanks for uh, thanks for making money and listening to ATLNT United podcast at the same time. If you guys are at the bins tonight, look for Joe and I. We'll be there early, rowdy, proud. Joe, I know you got to get back to it. You got work today, and then I'll uh, I'll catch up with you. Catch up with you in the gulch. See you in the gulch. Got to got to get as many beers as we can in before the gates open, and we can try to rush and get good seats. See you, my ATLians. Let's go, Atlanta. One second, big one. We ready, we ready, we ready, need everybody.
in the front row with a bad bitty body banging like a fungo. We got the cup, but we want more. Kaya Taylor Boca, we got Leandro. Everybody here, alright, hola. And you know what it is, five strikes don't stop. And you know what it is, we can cut up all the rest. Now we gotta go start hanging above the crest. They lost in translation, they not understanding me. Joseph Martinez, Atlanta is family. My city love me, Orlando was mad at me. I can't be clean, but they stopped over and trash me. We got WrestleMania, Frank the Boy, MLS Champs. Gotta thank the Lord, boy, we number one. What you take us for? Gotta shout out all the blacks in the corner.